following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Well, hello. Uh, let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for your love for us. We're so thankful for the family that you've given us here. We're so thankful for the Lord Jesus Christ dying in our place to take the penalty for our sin. We thank you for this great confession that we've just been singing and all the truth there. I pray that you'd hear our hearts in that way. And now, Lord, as we turn to your word, may we hear your heart. That your Holy Spirit speak to us through the word that you delivered so long ago. We're so grateful. We love you and thank you and give you this time for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, well, um, Ephesians doesn't have a chapter 7, so uh, we're headed to figure something else. Um, I don't know if you know this, but and it's hard to tell from outside, but we're on the edge of the Easter season. Do you know that? <laughs> Those bunnies are going to have a hard time hiding all those eggs in the snow. I have a neighbor that likes to hunt bunnies and not eggs. So I don't think we have to worry about it at our house. Well, anyway, uh, Easter Sunday is two weeks from today. Uh, and this, uh, this is a time of year when our attention turns to the single most important event in all of human history. And that's the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, Easter is kind of a funny thing, though. It's got the same problem that Christmas has, that the world want to cover it up with eggs and bunnies and chocolate and that sort of stuff. Um, And I can't help but think about uh, Easter in my own own life and history and the things I can remember. Um, That Easter always invokes um, colors in my memory. For some reason, um, not not because of uh, painted eggs or <laughs> um, plastic eggs or anything or grass in fake grass in baskets that the cat always eats, and the and anyway, it Easter in my mind when I think about it, it always white. It's, it, I just I don't know if it's uh, uh, because the Sunday school. Um, when I was growing up, they emphasized that our uh, our hearts were black because of sin, and uh, by the red blood of Jesus, they wash white as snow. And uh, you know, I didn't know chapter and verse on that one when I was a kid, but I know that was the truth. Uh, maybe it's uh, white because of the white linen that the Jesus was wrapped in, uh, or the two men dressed in white uh, in the tomb at the resurrection of Christ. Um, maybe it's because a bright white is so often used to uh, represent the resurrection of Christ like in the movies or TV. It's always a bright white light representing the glory of God as Jesus was raised from the dead. But for whatever reason, in my mind, Easter is always white. But if Easter is white, Good Friday is always black. Um, Black because of our sin. Black because of the darkness that fell when Jesus was on the cross. 
from the sixth hour to the ninth hour. I think mostly because black, because all hope was lost in the minds of the disciples. We know it wasn't really lost because we read the end of the book, but they had it. Uh, they didn't know. But Easter is white and Good Friday is black. Monday, Thursday, so is red. I didn't know what Monday, Thursday was. We didn't talk about that in church I grew up in. I didn't learn about that till college. But um, in Monday, Thursday, we remember the Last Supper. Uh, that's I don't I don't remember. There's a Latin word. Monday is a Latin word that means something. I'm sure, but I don't remember what it is. I didn't take the time to look it up this week. But um, Jesus gave a new meaning to Passover at the Last Supper. Uh, so when we celebrate the Lord's Supper communion downstairs, um, we're remembering that night or remembering the body of Christ uh, given for us. Jesus gave a new meaning to the sacrificial lamb and to his blood spread on the doorposts and the lentils of the houses uh, of the, uh, the Israelites when they were captive in Egypt. He gave new meaning to the Passover lamb, protecting uh, his, uh, his people from the angel of death. And Monday, Thursday, remind us of that. It's red because in the, it represents the blood of the new covenant, Christ's blood, and the red wine that or red grape juice that we drink that represents that new covenant. If Easter is white, Good Friday is black, Monday, Thursday is red, the Palm Sunday next week is green. <laughs> it's Palm Sunday. Palm, palms are, are green, right? Um, well, it's funny to me that this year, as I've been thinking about these things, um, Palm Sunday is not green because of palm branches uh, that the people were waving and laying down on the street as Jesus entered Jerusalem. At least in my mind, it's green because of the storm that was coming. It, when a bad storm rolled through the Midwest, the clouds turned green, and that's a bad news. They said, get a storm cellar because a tornado coming is going to be really bad. Uh, trouble is coming when the sky turns green. And that's what I think about when I think about Palm Sunday, the storm that was coming. We're all hooray about the branches and Hosanna to the son of David. The party didn't last very long. There's a lot of trouble on the horizon. And while that may or not may not be interesting to you, it's not at all biblical. So we're going to leave that discussion now. I just find it interesting that these that uh, the feelings and impressions that these things uh, bring out. Yes, please. Okay. Well, there you go. The internet says it. It must be true. Well, we can go with that. Dictionary.com says it's true. All right. Thank you. Um, so, thing about this season, and uh, it sneaks up on us sometimes. Well, I think every year it does. Like Easter, it jumps out of left field. Um, and though it's more significant for the church than any other event on our calendar, it just seems um, 
it, it seems to come out of nowhere and it's on top of us before we know it. When though Easter may every year seem to be a surprise to us, it was no surprise to the Lord. Um, Revelation chapter 13, verse 8, calls Jesus the Lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world. So this Easter season um, can surprise us, but it's no surprise to the Lord. And I think in order to truly appreciate the whiteness and joy of, of Easter and the resurrection of Jesus, we need to examine God's plan in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus and the plan that was in place long before Jesus was in Bethlehem. And when we examine the dark parts of that plan, it makes us appreciate the light parts that much more. So we're going to do something, as I told John uh, at Alice meeting this week, you probably thought I'd never do. We're going to look at the Old Testament um, together. So we're going to turn to Isaiah chapter 52. Um, that's page six. Uh, 13 in the few Bibles, if that's helpful to you. We'll put it up on the screen here. Probably already there. Are we going to look at God's outline for the purpose and plan for Jesus, written down 700 years or so before Jesus was born in Bethlehem? So, just in case you're wondering, God knew what he was doing. So, let's. We're going to read Isaiah 52, verse 13, all the way through the end of chapter 53. Don't worry, it's only 12 verses. Uh, Isaiah 52, 13. Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up, and shall be exalted. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and is formed beyond that of the children of mankind. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told them they see, and that which they have not heard they understand. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground, he had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and by his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that is before his shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off from the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people? And they made his grave with the wicked, 
and with a rich man in his debt, although he had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with his strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. I know I'll read this uh, every year at Easter time, like Good Friday service or, or whatever. I think it's important for us to get our minds to work this way and consider these things and consider this one who would stand in our place on the cross. And this, uh, this passage is neatly divided into five standards. Uh, and God outlines the coming, the purpose, and the work of Jesus, the Messiah. I thought I was very ambitious when I first started to work on this. Well, I'll be able to work on these five stanzas in one Sunday. <laughs> it didn't work out that way. We are going to work on the first stanza, and that's Isaiah 52, 13 through 15. Through the prophet, God announced the coming of Messiah. Behold, my, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told them they see and that which they have not heard they understand. Now right here is the life, death, resurrection, ascension of Christ and the birth of the church. Isn't that nice? It's the Old Testament. Did you know that Jesus is there? He's on every page, right? Well, if we look at just these few verses, we can see that Jesus did in fact act wisely, as he says, Behold, my servant shall act wisely. In his life and in his teaching, no man has ever been wiser. His teaching has affected mankind in a way no teacher ever has or ever will. Even those that don't recognize that it came from him. Now, I know you uh, younger people won't think about this, but those of you who are uh, more experienced, <laughs> you remember the golden rule in your classroom in school, don't you? Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Right, that was pasted right on the wall of our classroom, and I grew up in the 80s. Right, it was it was still okay back then, because it didn't say, in quotations, Jesus under underneath. But people recognize that teaching is good. That we should treat others the way we want to be treated. Right, we can see that's a good principle, uh, and that comes straight from the mouth of the Lord Jesus. That's just one small example that his teaching has affected the world more than anyone else ever has or ever will. 
but he shall be high and lifted up. He was lifted up in his death on the cross. This is not just uh, not just his exalted nature, but he was lifted up off the ground and hung on a tree, hung on the cross. Jesus said in John 13, 14, and 15, And as Moses lift up the servant in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Now he's talking about uh, the story uh, when Moses in the wilderness uh, fashioned a uh, serpent, a bronze serpent, uh, um, and on a stick. And the people had been bitten by vipers. And anybody that uh, he would hold it up, and anybody that looked look at it uh, would be healed of the venom of being bit by the vipers. That's an interesting story. That's why he says, just as Moses lifted up the serpent on a stick, so the Son of Man will be lifted up. And just like those people were healed from the, the poison, people who look and believe on the Son of Man will be healed of the poison of sin. It's a beautiful parallel. In John 12, 32 and 33, Jesus said, And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Now when I read that, I always used to think of the ascension, right? Jesus will lift it up from the earth. But you can't think that if you read the next verse. He says, he said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. Not just go back to heaven. I taught all you guys what you need to know and remember that, you'll be all set. Now I go back to the Father. That's not it. Jesus needed to be killed for us. And he knew it. And he acted wisely, shall be high and lifted up, and he, as he is exalted. As Peter wrote in 1 Peter 3, 21 and 22. Uh, the very end of 21. Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. And Mark 16, 19. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And Acts 5, 30, 31. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and a forgiveness of sins. He's lifted up on the tree and after his death he's exalted to the right hand of the throne of God. Now maybe this all makes perfect sense to us. We've heard his story before. We're looking through a, a, a Christian lens. Right? We know this all about Jesus, of course. We can read Isaiah 52 and 53 and say, yeah, don't you see this all about Jesus? Well, for almost 3,000 years, the Jews have rejected that idea. They say this about Israel. It's about the nation of Israel and all the things that they've gone through. They've rejected the idea that this Messiah is Jesus. They rejected Jesus because he wasn't the kind of Messiah they wanted. 
They want a political messiah. Good thing nobody wants a political messiah now, huh? He might not have been the kind of messiah that uh, people wanted, but he's exactly the kind of messiah that all of mankind needed and still needs. So we go back to Isaiah. Look at verse 14. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. I don't like this part. Jesus Christ was so abused, beaten so badly with whips and sticks and fists and thorns pressed into his head that he was unrecognizable. Not just who is that guy, it's what is that thing. Unrecognizable to men, as predicted in verse 14. The amazement or astonishment at him and his appearance is really to wonder how this beaten and broken wretch could really be the Messiah, the Son of God. Say, wait a minute, that's not how he's supposed to go. He's supposed to be untouchable, right? He's the Son of God, the King of Kings. Nobody should be able to lay a hand on him. And yet he submitted to this kind of treatment in our place. But the, the beauty is found in verse 15. His appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind, so shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told them, they see. And that which have, they have not heard, they understand. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Do you know what's the significance of this? Once a year, on the Day of Atonement, you see it on the calendar called Yom Kippur, the high priest entered the temple into the Holy of Holies to sprinkle the blood of the sin offering on the Ark of the Covenant. You've heard of that before? It's in that Indiana Jones movie. The blood of the, of the sin offering was sprinkled on a tub called a mercy seat. Leviticus 16, uh, 15 and 16, uh, this is the instructions they had about that. It says, Then he shall kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people and bring his blood inside the veil that's inside the Holy of Holies and do with his blood as he did with the blood of the bull, sprinkling it over the mercy seat and in front of the mercy seat. Thus he shall make atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the people of Israel and because of their transgressions, all their sins. How does this relate to Isaiah 52? Because it's now Jesus' blood that has been sprinkled for sin. Not just the sin of the nation of Israel, but for all nations. 
both Jews and Gentiles alike. Even the gospel going to the Gentiles at all, Gentiles being non-Jewish people, is predicted here in verse 15. It says, Kings shall shut their mouths because of him, for that which has not been told them they see, and that which they have not heard they understand. You see, the Gentiles didn't have the law and the prophets. Only the Jews had those. They didn't have the scroll of Isaiah to tell them of the coming of Messiah. It was not told to them before, and yet through the preaching of the gospel, they see. They hadn't heard of him before, but by the faithful message of the good news preached to them, they understand. Well, I say they, I mean us, we, right? The best part of that prophecy, selfishly speaking, is that he's talking about us. His blood, the blood of the Messiah, Jesus, was sprinkled on us that by faith we can have atonement, meaning we can be reconciled to our Heavenly Father. See, it's our sin, the sin of mankind that separates people from God. And only by faith in Jesus, in his sacrifice, do you get sprinkled with his blood that you can be forgiven and reunited with the Father. John Calvin said, The spectacle of the cross alienates many persons from Christ when they consider what is presented to their eyes and do not observe the object to be accomplished. But all the offense is removed when we know that by his death our sins have been atoned for and salvation has been attained for us. My purpose for this morning and my prayer for this entire Easter season is that we remember God's purpose in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. As Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 through 25 puts it, Since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. What better way can we encourage one another but to remind each other of the purpose of the death of Christ? It's not just another holiday. It's the most important day that history has ever seen. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that your spirit would continue to work on our hearts as we consider you. Consider what you did, not just for us, but for all mankind. 
And as we think about how wonderful your sacrifice was for us, may we share that with our friends and neighbors. Because you've given us so much. We thank you, Lord, for these reminders. And I pray that our hearts will continue to be focused on your death and resurrection for us, for our sin, to take our place that we would be sprinkled and washed clean. We pray, Lord, that the power of the cross would not be empty, but that we would be reminded of your love and your grace and your death for us. We love you, Lord, and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.